Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, this conversation might mess with your perceptions on who's racing up the charts in the booming consumer demand for short-form vertical video. And it's not a social network, nor is it a broadcaster. Vertical video, of course, is designed for mobile device consumption. And in the last financial year, this traditional wait-for-it news media publisher saw a bit over 4 billion short-form video starts from its content across its own assets and via its content feeds on social platforms. And that publisher was News Corp. The traditional text-based media firm is undergoing somewhat of a revolution. 75% of its content is now consumed on mobile devices. And while it's a dominant player in traditional text publishing, the editorial teams and mastheads are reinventing themselves into bigger video content creators because, well, that's where there's a huge amount of growth from audiences and advertisers. But this is a bit different to how the social platforms do their video stuff. For one, it's outside those tightly managed walled gardens the tech giants control and instead is on the open web. Why does that matter? Well, it has some big upside for brands, according to my guest today. And to find out the what and why, We've got a couple of the architects behind the vertical video transformation underway at what you might consider an old school publisher. Paul Blackburn is News Corp's Director for Commercial Data, Video and Product, and Ryan Hiditch is Head of Ad Product and Strategy. And they're all over this swing to vertical video, or as they call it, news shorts. So welcome, gents. Paul Blackburn, um, let's start with a refresher for those of us, including me, perhaps not quite up to speed on how crazy this demand for video and vertical video is. So Paul, what is it? How big is it? How big will it get? And why is News Corp chasing it like a racehorse? Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having us. Listen, there's an insatiable appetite for this snackable format. Uh, You mentioned some of the stats before. Uh, We're seeing over 4 billion views uh, in our social channels with this type of short-form snackable format. We know audiences are gravitating towards it. They're using their mobile devices. And this format is completely optimized for that that most personal of device. So we're seeing an insatiable appetite for it. Our content is resonating in social channels. And I think for us, it's the reality that we need to provide that same sort of experience or even better when they come directly to our platforms. Just, I just want to ask though, um, 75%, you say 75% of your content is consumed on mobile. Is that video and text or is it just video? That's video and text. Right. So all your masthead content, your stories, 75% of that is coming through a mobile device of some sort. Yeah, that, it's the average across our entire network. So Newscom AU leading the way, but also our lifestyle sites like right. Taste, Vogue. Vogue is almost 90%. Um, so the more lifestyle you get, the more uh, younger skewed you get, the more it skews to mobile uh, first consumption of, of all of our content. And that is the, the, the traditional long form content, uh, but more and more so we saw the trend shifting to video 
Uh, and we can see in the way in which these audiences engage us in channels like TikTok. News AU is actually the number one news brand in TikTok's environment. So we know how to engage audiences um, in that platform. And we know there's a thirst for audiences to be engaged in that way, that sort of one-minute snackable what's going on in the news, what's going on in entertainment news, what's going on in, in lifestyle news, you know, what are the great deals out there, so shopping news as well. Um, and so now we're leaning into it to engage them on network with that same sort of format with a couple of advantages. The open web presents huge opportunity to target them with data for advertisers. And with targeting with data and that addressability that comes with that targeting capability, measurement comes to you as well. So we're able to attribute outcomes, you know, whether it's brand or uh, conversion right at the point of inspiration on the content with our, our shoppable product or even in-store uh, with our footfall attribution or SKU level data with, with the flybys or, or, or MasterCard that we, that we partner with. You did mention TikTok and News Corp being number one in TikTok. How many videos are you talking about in TikTok um, from News Corp Australia, Paul? Yeah, I'd say Newscom AU is number one in TikTok. It's 1.2 billion views in TikTok. Okay, massive. And so your point before was bringing them across to your network and doing the same thing. Will they move, I guess, is the question. Are they stuck in those platforms? Can you get them across to even show them that you've got an alternative vertical video product? I think we can, Paul. Uh, early signs are very positive. Um, we have approximately 852 million video streams on platform. That's with our existing video capability. I think now with our vertical video capability, it's now discoverable in social media. It's now discoverable in search, which means these new audiences are going to be introduced to this format. Our journalists are leading into this format to tell the stories so they'll be able to discover it in search, come straight through to a full screen vertical mobile experience and sort of, I guess, surprise and delight that we're able to show them this format and engage them with this format that we know works when they're in social media channels. So we're really excited about the opportunity and, and particularly how it's indexing in search. So when you, you know, Google a story, if you were to click on a newscom AU link about, you know, what's happening over in the Middle East at the moment or, mm. um, you know, on taste, you're searching for a um, some inspiration and you search a recipe. When you click on that link and it's a news shorts link, you will come straight directly through to a mobile first full screen proposition where you can swipe for more content up and down just like you can in a, in a TikTok or an Instagram or even, a, I guess, a YouTube shorts. So this is news really raising the white flag and going, okay, you're saying the platforms have retrained a bit of how people consume and you're going to match what they're doing elsewhere and this is your sort of counter-strike, if you like. Yeah, I think it's snackable. I think there's still an opportunity for uh, long-form content to exist. In fact, we see them coexisting quite nicely, Paul. So if you use a snackable shorts video format, um, you're going to get a minute of content. You're going to get the overview of what's going on in the Middle East. But if you want to know more and you want the real story behind that that short video, you can click for more and you can get that long-form, in-depth coverage that we're famous for. Take something like Headley Thomas's The Teacher's Pet, which I know everyone's familiar with because it's approaching 
100 million streams worldwide now. That's crazy, isn't it? If we told that story, we would do a great little one-minute snackable overview of what's going on, and that would be an engaging piece of content on its own. But to find out the nitty-gritty or to hear the full podcast series, you could click for more to go deeper into that content experience. And really, we're putting that opportunity at the consumer's fingertips, that choice to engage further and deeper in the content. So that snackable format is what is what it is. It's about snacking on content and then choosing to go deeper if you want to. I guess it could be a chicken or egg thing here in that you've got to build the product to have the audience know that it's there and, and come on to consume it. So are you waiting for snackable content, short form mobile video to be profitable or are you investing heavily ahead of a curve of what you expect to come? How big is this investment? How, how hard are you going at this? I think we're going pretty hard. Um, I think um, we've been working on it for a while, Paul. So I think we announced it in Decoded earlier this year. We'd already been working on it for uh, a good 12 months. It's a trend that's been emerging for a while. It's no secret that this format is engaging consumers, particularly younger consumers, in those social channels. Um, so we're, we're sort of dived head head first into it. I mean, we're investing, I think, 3,000 times <laughs> Uh, more production into short form trackable video, but also alongside that, we've developed what we think is a world first platform for optimizing that experience. So our player technology that we've developed alongside our partner Bright Cove, the interactive technology that sits over that with our partner Voodoo to make things shoppable, but not just it's not just about shoppable with Voodoo, it's about interactive storytelling. So being able to sort of click and choose your adventure on the content, not just the ads. Um, and we've been working towards this for a while. Okay. You said 850-odd million video views or starts. Is that long form and short form or is that short form, Paul? That's the combination Total. Okay. across the network. The early signs on... Uh, new shorts and bearing in mind that we've only been fully live and operational um, since September is we're doing about 300,000 views per day and that is exponentially growing week on week, day on day, hour by hour uh, now that it's up and live, discoverable in SEO, discoverable on our homepages or on the entertainment sections, on the on the homepage of Taste, et cetera. So okay, so it's. I, mean, I didn't realize it's only what a month old that what, since you've done uh, new shorts. So it's pretty early. Is this uh, the demand for text versus video, Paul? Is it is one giving way to the other? Is if as people discover, okay, I can get my new shorts, I can get my video. Are they consuming less, uh, and will they consume less text based content? Do you think? We'd like to think that they are complementary. I mean, you know, I think quality journalists find great ways to tell stories, and they they embrace the format or the tool in which they can use to tell it. Um, we mentioned Headley Thomas with podcasting before. So each medium presents a different way to engage the consumer. And this snackable shorter format allows us to introduce, you know, news and lifestyle content to new audiences, to younger audiences, and hopefully engage them with that sort of one-minute snackable format but we think, as I mentioned before, that it goes hand in glove with our longer form investigative journalists or our, you know, our the content behind that one minute, you know, how to cook a spaghetti bolognese. Click in, what are the ingredients? What's the real detail behind that? So we think that they'll work hand in glove. 
And and we've already seen that um, with, with the last sort of uh, month or so of, of us being live with, with new shorts. Can I dare to ask what you're projecting for the rest for the next 12 months in terms of volumes? Are you going to tell me that or are you going to say, actually, no, next question, please, Paul? Oh, look, I wouldn't want to commit to a number, but we mentioned that, you know, that massive 800 million plus number. Uh, we'd like to be seeing shorts at that same sort of volume as our other video has done in the past. Um, we'd like to see that moving pretty quick. And we're buoyed by the results so far. I mentioned that we only launched a full platform in September. We have been experimenting with this since Decoded when we launched it. And, you know, the trajectory that we're on suggests that that is extremely doable. I do want to ask you, it does seem like you're, uh, it's working, but it does also seem like it's a bit ambitious, Paul, for a traditional text publisher to chase video. Um, they are, you know, traditionally very completely different content skill sets. So is it a, an army of new people that you're, uh, you're bringing on or is, are you trying to reprogram your, your current editorial and journos to, to do things differently? Um, I think it's been happening naturally over a period of time, Paul. Um, I think we're now really embracing it because we have the tools to tell it on network. But over the last five or six years in particular, um, our social channels have been a big focus for us and telling stories in those environments have been really important part of what we do as well. And I think our journalists over time have started to perfect those skills. There is a lot of our journalists that are, a lot younger than you and I, Paul. Yeah, thank you. Doing this format, using this format. And so now there's the ability for them to embrace all the strengths of it on net and not just in social media environments. And we can tailor the platform with our own data, with our own capability, um, and they're really excited about that. In fact, October internally at News Corp is video month, whereby we've engaged the entire organisation to use the mobile device as their key storytelling proposition and to, to make sure they're capturing video with every interview, with every story. I heard rumblings, by the way, that you're even your executive chairman, Michael Miller, might be doing non-emails and doing video stuff. Is that is that the case? Let's just say that we've uncovered a new influencer talent. <laughs> Michael Miller's storytelling is extremely good on vertical video. Well, there we go. That, you've probably got yourself a pay rise. Well done, Paul. The difference between the open web, you, we talked about it at the top, what's the difference um, about the open web and the social platforms for short-form video? Why should brands um, and advertisers give a, give a pixel on this? Does it matter? Is there a difference? Before we get to the brands and advertisers, I think the reason why the open web is important is the discoverability of new shorts content in search um, and social. And, you know, when you go to how do I cook that spaghetti bolognese and using our topic and domain authority of taste.com.au or delicious or Kidspot Kitchen, we're going to be at the top of the search results. And now that you can click through in the organic search results and come straight through to that full screen vertical proposition and then swipe to your next video and swipe to your next video, we're going to be able to introduce new audiences and even engage in, and maybe it's a serendipitous occasion that our current audiences have gone to search that way and come back into a brand that they trust, like taste, and seen that they've got this proposition um, to, to engage with. Um, so it starts with consumer. And that's why, I guess, 
brands and advertisers should care about this is because if consumers care, then there's the ability to target those consumers. And with the open web, that's the main crux of it is that we can use our data and measurement capability. We're not at the whims of an Apple or, you know, the app environment where measurement and attribution has become very challenged and and, and addressable audiences is very challenged. And then last but not least, they should care because in social media environments where there is UGC content that could possibly be negative, you know that in our environments, you know what to expect. You have also got our data proposition to make sure that we can protect your brand from places where contextually you might not want to be next to. So negative sentiment, things like that. We have the data capability to protect brands from negative sentiment and, and negative content areas where their brand doesn't want to be. You do talk about linking all this sort of um, to known consumer intent. You've got this thing called Intent Connect, I think you call it, that your data strategy can unpack. You just talked a little bit uh, about that. What do you mean about linking it to consumer intent, though, Paul, and data? What, what can you do? How are you operating on that? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we announced at Decoded the, I guess, the turbocharging of our data platform. Um, we rebranded it to Intent Connect to um, signal what it does on the box. And that is our vision is to not see what um, habits have been done in the past, but be able to model out future intent. With understanding intent, you can do some really powerful things. You can put the right content in front of the audience at the right time. Um, So we'll be using Intent Connect signals to provide content recommendation for shorts. So as you can imagine, the TikTok algorithm and the meta algorithms about what they're suggesting is the next video to keep you engaged. Everyone's been there to go, oh, I'll just check my socials for five minutes and 45 minutes later you're still scrolling or doom scrolling through your social feed. And that's because they have an amazing ability to surface the next best video and match it to the user. And we'll be using Intent Connect signals that the, I think it's 3 billion content signals per month uh, that we've already got. We'll be using all those content signals to understand what we should be recommending the user. How are you seeing that so far? Is it Are you getting people going, oh, next, scroll next, oh, I'm hanging around for the next one? Is that that's, that's your ambition? Are you already seeing that or have you applied this, this algorithm, this intent algorithm to it or is it still coming? The short answer is yes, we're seeing people scroll through uh, the content and that's exactly what we're hoping for. Are we early days on, on getting it optimised and using Intent Connect to really start to suggest next best video? Uh, the answer is yes, but we're on that journey and we're excited around uh, what we can see. You know, there is still obviously the journos curating video playlists and video content, and we've started there with an element of uh, automation and, and content recommendation that's coming from Intent Connect, uh, but that's just phase one. We're right in the middle of really diving into what is possible there with full personalization stemming from that Intent Connect data asset. You know, you'll be going to market, Paul, with a big argument around why your environments are better than what you may get in a social platform. What are your points around that? Why is it better? Well, I think, you know, the old saying is content is king and context is queen. Well, we think context matters a hell of a lot more than people realise. And it's been overlooked 
with regards to performance and brand outcomes, that power that context and a contextual environment like news environments provide. And we've seen the study from uh, Think uh, News Brands that news environments are 2.4 times more effective on unprompted brand recall than run of the internet and how every hour spent with premium video in news environments has 2.6 times more attention than YouTube or 25 times more attention than social video. So we know that our environments matter, that context is, you know, I'd say uh, the king, maybe not the queen, the king. That's why we're so excited around this format in that environment. Is it landing? Is that sort of message and understanding landing on the buy side, whether it be agencies or advertisers, or is that the work that's got to be done and that's the work in front of you? There's an element of goodwill. Uh, I think brands, agencies, uh, all of our clients are really excited around having an alternative. I don't think we see this as a complete replacement for social channels. We think social channels are important vehicles for marketing our brands ourselves. So uh, it would be remiss to say that uh, there isn't some great value in social channels. But I think on the whole, when it comes down to it, effectiveness is what's going to matter. The outcomes are what's going to matter. And if we can demonstrate that our environments with this format provide those outcomes for advertisers, then we think we can deliver on the goodwill that's out there for this, for this type of product. So, Ryan, we've got the big picture from Paul uh, and the audience consumption context. Um, how's it working for brands? Can you give us give some examples? I know it's early, but can you give some examples of who's doing it and how they're doing it on the short-form vertical video stuff that's only, what, a couple of months old? You've been trialling for a while, though. Yeah, absolutely, Paul, and thanks for, uh, thanks for having us on. Um, look, we've recently launched the new Total Video Suite at, at News, and, and really that aims to bring together all of our video solutions in one sort of toolkit that I think can deliver for marketers whatever their whatever their goal um, might be, whether that's brand or performance-led. We're seeing a lot of the brands come on board in using us to impact audiences at a broad, at a broad level, um, whether that's through sort of far-reaching CPM or cost per completed view uh, video products pushing kind of messages far and wide around uh, the context that we have and to our audiences in, in using data at the, the heart of that stuff. We're seeing certainly where clients have got uh, middle funnel um, objectives and trying to drive consideration that the use of a more immersive video experiences that's, that's driving connection with, um, with, with audiences. And that might be through longer form uh, content or, or, or truly interactive and in, in personalized video experiences, which have been um, fantastically well received since um, we've partnered with Voodoo and, and launched that recently, it, it decoded. And increasingly, we're, we're able to capture all of that intent and really push people through um, the, the funnel and, and, and what we're able to do with video in generating a genuine sales transaction right at that point of um, inspiration has worked really, really hard. And it really goes to, to demonstrate the power of kind of thinking uh, about our network in, in its entirety and, and thinking about how you can use, you know, the all manner of, of tools that we have at our disposal to to push people through to, to the outcomes that, that, that you want um, from top to bottom. On the vertical video uh, stuff, Ryan, what, what sectors are, and, and sort of companies are, are jumping on this early? Who are the early use cases? Is, is there particular categories that are, that are taking it on ahead of others? 
Yeah, I think the the travel category for sure has is lent in um, really really early. Certainly, when it kind of comes to our interactive um, video suite, so their ability to create customized um, journeys where they're trying to showcase a, a range of benefits at, at a destination. We've seen some really great results in in, in uses um, from that. Clearly, all the work that we showed at Decoded earlier in the year, year around Moet and Shandon in, in the partnership with Vogue is really best in class in terms of the utilization of, of our product, but also the results that they're able to, to deliver with you know, advertising and, and, and native, um, native content as well. And so, and let's talk to the results, I guess, because you're you're making a big um, statement about that. The results are what? Is it a mid-funnel play? I think you just mentioned before that it's you know you're looking you can go through the funnel, but what are you seeing so far in some numbers? And maybe you can't talk to the client, but talk to an example, couple of examples of what that what they're seeing. For instance, is your video doing better than Bvod? I think there's areas where we're we're really complementary to other forms of video advertising out there. And, and there's simply some areas where we're, we're able to beat um, some of those competitors. I think it's interesting we sort of reference, you know, is it a mid-funnel play? I think there's there's a big gap in in maybe how video advertising is being deployed across the, the market right now. BVOD is, is clearly king and, and, and typically your, your play for, for top of funnel and, and driving broad reach and, and awareness. Social we're seeing through, you know, the market results and the, and the numbers are, are clearly grabbing, you know, the lower funnel um, dollars in, in, in driving um, results in that area. So I, I do think there's a, there's a big opportunity for planners to think differently about how they can kind of capture and convert intent in that middle funnel and, and, and push that through to conversion. We're continuing to partner with um, people like Agile, which give us a really good indication of our video performance versus um, the, the, the market. That's been um, really helpful. Sort of firstly, when we when we think about reach, you know, we're able to to, to aggregate our results um, from deploying the agile um, tech across our, our video assets, and you're one, you're one point four times more likely to reach a unique audience on on our News Corp networks compared to any other network. So in our tested campaigns, actually 92% of the people that we reach are exclusive um, to our network. That means you cannot find them anywhere else within the the, the BVOD channels uh, or, or else, elsewhere. So we really see ourselves as that great reach builder but really that that's not not all it translates again right right through so can i just clarify that though ryan so you're saying that 92 percent of your video audience is not watching video anywhere else but news assets correct wow so how big is that audience I guess if we talk about one of the one of the campaigns that we recently deployed for a, a for a client in the in the travel sector, they actually ran a number of sort of short form video tactics across the, the network. They utilised interactive video um, experiences, as I sort of alluded to. They you know the, the user was able to choose the destination they wanted to watch um, more of. Now, once the viewer sort of navigated that content they wanted to watch within the experience, in sort of facilitated by video and our interactive um, technology. They're invited to download a brochure that acted as a, as a lead generator for that client. We were able to deliver exclusive reach on that campaign of 1.62 million people, not fan watching um, BVOD channels at all. And, and when you look at some of the agile um, benchmarks, that's actually a 440% uplift versus that BVOD channel benchmark. So I think it's you know, an yeah. complementary tactic to when you're deploying some of those sort of more broadcast campaign uh, executions. And how did that, so you talked about sort of the, the form fill out or form download, how did it go? Really, really well, unsurprisingly, as um, 
as we can talk about. I mean, we saw thousands of, of web responses within within the ads. I think what was really interesting was when you sort of couple our video products with the, the data product that we have in, in Intent Connect. And it seems pretty obvious that, you know, targeting travel intent is through through our, our data would, would make sense. But the uplift that we see in being able to identify and convert that intent on, on our network was huge. So we actually saw a 75% uplift in the sort of sales form um, response rates um, versus non-targeted activity when we, when we ran on that network. So coupling that data with our video product, it, it really, you know, one plus one equals three in, in, in that scenario. So in this instance for that travel client who you're clearly not going to tell me who it is, bad luck, Paul, but in that instance, you had identified people that were travel and tenders and that, and that video camp or those video campaigns were then just sent targeting those people. Absolutely. Right. How do you know that they're travel intenders? What's feeding your database? And we won't get too technical, but I'm just interested in and what's feeding, how are you finding out these, you know, auto intenders, travel intenders? How do you know this stuff? It's pretty simple. It all comes from the first party data signals that, that, that we capture from known and, and unknown audiences visiting our, our network. So, you know, broadly speaking, we have about 17.68 million people visiting the network every single month, you know, when they drop onto one of our, our travel sites or one of our travel sections, you know, that fires off a signal to say that they have consumed some travel related content. And when we aggregate all of that together, we can build these known audiences of, of, Got it. of segments. We can then couple that first party data signal with our with our third party partnerships. So we're able to look at maybe the recency of transactions that they might have made on travel, or maybe they bought products, which would indicate that they might be a market to to travel to a destination. So it just helps us to, mm. you know, familiarity with with, with an audience and, and, and match that to, to to what advertisers are looking for. And and, who- and that's how you're getting. I mean, it's that that's how you're getting those good results because it's actually you are talking to people who are in market and considering Absolutely. right. Are agencies in advertising getting this capability? Because I hear a lot about how we tend to, the market tends to talk at length about data and targeting, but there's still a lot not doing it, right? It's, it's still about low cost, generic audience buys, basically cheap ads. How are you seeing uh, the market actually behave as opposed to talk on this stuff? Yeah, I, I mean, look, the black and white answer to that is, is probably 50-50 of, of our digital advertising um, in the moment is is targeted um, using data that has that has grown sort of drastically over the last six to twelve months, certainly okay. back of um, our evolution with with Intent Connect. But we've got a lot more work to do as a media owner to to really educate the market on our video proposition and, and the power of that when it is coupled with with our data and, and the results that it's that it's driving for our clients. And, and just to clarify that, Paul, about fifty five percent are using our data. So we are obviously there's probably clients using their data and accessing us via programmatic channels. But that result that you saw from that said travel client where there's a 75% uplift in the outcome is when they use our data. Right. And we were, we were able to measure it um, and optimise to the outcome. And that's the power of using our data versus, you know, I guess third-party data signals. Got it. And I probably don't have to mention the cookie apocalypse yes. <laughs> is uh, approaching from January where, you know, Google are going to start deprecating 1% of Chrome traffic and, and start to move that up through the year. Um, so that first-party data solution is not, uh, not only more effective, uh, but it's going to be usable in a cookie-less world. 
what Ryan's talking about and what you've been talking about at the top around content and recommendations, how does this all fit in with News Corp's sort of bigger content and commerce strategy, right? You've been talking probably for a good 12 to 18 months about content commerce and linking consumption of, of media to a transaction. Does that still hold? Are you still doing all that? Yeah, I think uh, with news shorts, the format like, uh, you know, Reels or TikTok social media formats, are how con- audiences are wanting to consume content. And we've, you know, established that, you know, 75% of our audiences are on the mobile device. Um, I think that mobile device is such a personal device where people are now using Apple Pay to purchase, Google Pay to purchase, and our shoppable video technology means that they're able to, I guess, engage with that short format and then use their mobile device that they trust to purchase from to purchase. So we see, you know, that content and commerce strategy, you know, augmenting and coming together. And we're pretty excited that we see ourselves as a leader. Um, you know, we, we launched our, our shoppable technology more than a year ago uh, now, and we've seen some, you know, some interesting fast followers from the big tech. We've seen YouTube announce shoppable shorts in recent months. We've seen Amazon announce Amazon Inspire in the US, and we've seen a lot of other players uh, lean into, you know, shoppable commerce media formats we think ours is still superior. Our partner Voodoo is able to convert right from the content stream, and that's really important to us as a publisher. Yeah, well, they're not leaving the environment. Well, that's your point there. They, they can click within the content environment they're doing. They're not being taken off anywhere else. That's right. So they get to make that purchase if they're, if they're inspired, and then they continue on with their in- intended content journey rather than clicking out away from that experience that they intended on. Um, and for clients, that's really interesting because, again, the technology plugs and plays with their back-end e-commerce tech, which we've we've spoken to you about before, Paul, which means they are seeing the transaction on their Yeah, tech. I know what you're talking about, Paul. This is headless commerce. That's how good I am. I listen. You've been listening, Paul. Fantastic. Um, well, And we're really excited about those, those opportunities. It, it essentially means that the brand or the retailer can set up a store within our content. And just like a store within store in a department store, they get to to control that brand experience through content and facilitate the transaction on their own infrastructure, but within our engaged environments like a Vogue or like a Taste or like a Newscom AU. Got it. Okay, so what's next from both of you then? Give us a, just a, a very quick wrap up on, say, that what's next in the next 12 months? What, what should we be seeing come to market and what should the market be doing? I think, Paul, from my perspective, we're absolutely dedicated to continuing to develop this new uh, world-class vertical video sort of storytelling platform. You know, it's a big transformation, I think, for for what we're setting out here, not only with sort of the consumer side of the business in terms of telling stories in in, in different ways, but, you know, what that means for, for advertisers right now. And in the future, um, there's going to be a lot more new sort of vertical video advertising opportunities coming uh, their way, new native content opportunities. And I think, as, as Paul alluded to, a bigger convergence of video with um, some of our e-com uh, products right. as well. And the market's getting that, Ryan? Are they starting to understand the, the potential? Because sometimes it moves very slowly. Yeah. Innovation everyone loves, but then embracing it's a different thing altogether. Yeah, I think we've innovated pretty quickly over the last 18 months in, in the emergence of, you know, our, our new video products, our, our e-commerce strategy um, and, and continue to invest in, into native content. 
have been quite transformative. So, you know, there's more work that we have to do to continue to educate um, the market and demonstrate um, results. But, um, you know, the, the signs are encouraging in terms of the advertisers that are leaning into this area early, that they're, they're yielding some great results and in, in, in great insights in, you know, everybody else will will, will catch up as, as we continue to educate and, and, and build confidence in, in the outcomes that we can deliver for these advertisers. And Paul, next 12 months, um, what do you see happening? Oh, look, I'm just really excited to see now that our journalists have the ability for video to be the story. So video as a story with this really powerful, snackable format that clearly the entire internet and particularly uh, younger audiences have fallen in love with. I'm just excited to see what they can do with it on platform, how they can engage new audiences for uh, a publisher like us. And then, therefore, what commercial opportunities there are for commercial content in this area and that shoppable format. To your point earlier, Paul, it's really fun innovating, but it's when the uh, the advertising industry catches up with that innovation. So where, you know, where we innovated 12 months ago with shoppable video, um, we're now a year later seeing about 100 clients now start to use it. Mm. And we've got so much, so many learnings. And at the same time now, that same year later, we've now got this platform for, you know, vertical video on network. And so those two things converging along with that, with our journos playing with it, I'm really excited around what the future holds for the role that someone like News Corp has in the video ecosystem. Because I think, as you mentioned before, short form pre-roll video amongst long form content was challenged. And I really feel like, you know, giving our journos this, this capability to tell these stories and then having our clients be able to engage with their, their ads and their communications and their native contents in those environments is going to be really interesting. Exactly. Well, Paul Blackburn, Ryan Hedditch, the super groovers of open web short form vertical video. How good was that? Um, I managed to string it all together without mucking it up. We'll look forward to a catch up maybe in six months to see how this thing takes off. So keep shooting. That'd be great. Thank you, Paul, and thanks for having us. Thanks, Paul. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.